1: Gina, Malicia, how
2: are you, Gina? I'm great, Val. I've just back from the Amazon. Yeah, really? Mm -hmm. You have not? I I did. I've been there all week, Val. I've been there. Oh, you mean you've been buying things through Amazon? Yeah, (laughs) Amazon.com. But, you know, doesn't it sound glamorous when you say, I'm back from the Amazon? It does sound glamorous, but uh,
1: (laughs) now we're doing something a little bit different this week because we are recording this audio for our podcast as per usual, but some people might be watching this as a video on ginamilitia.com. So at the moment you'll see an image on your screen of a man in a field and we're going to be working through a whole bunch of different images um, which you don't necessarily have to see but if you want to look at the images we're talking about they will be in a video on Gina's website so Mm -hmm. if you happen to have stumbled upon this somehow and you're wondering why there's a man in the field he's there um, because we'll be working uh, on this photo in Lightroom soon. Um, Of course you'll be hearing my voice and Gina's voice and you might be thinking well why aren't your faces on the screen and that's because we're really shy so you know i'd have to put pants on val <laughs> oh thanks gina pants we didn't of... <laughs> really need that sure. <laughs> all
2: right so tell me what
1: you've been buying on Amazon uh, bits and
2: pieces actually grip gear so like little uh doohickeys and things like that that it's just that right. i remember so that's I, and also um I've been checking out, um, I'm going to buy myself the Godox AD600 because on Friday, um, and I know I say to everyone, you've got to make sure that you put weights on your stands because when you've got an box outside, mm. they have a tendency to blow over. I had a huge mm. weight on my uh, stand and yes. I had the AD200 in uh, a deep Octa and it bit the dust valve no. and of course it went back and I'd done half the shoot so oh. with it. And then I had the other half of the shoot to do, but luckily I'm so paranoid when I go mm-hmm. out on shoots cause I was a couple of hours from home. And uh, so I make I always make sure that I've got backup lights. So I had uh, another set of lights that I could use. But what happened is the Godox actually fell backwards, and it was it landed in soft dirt. But it was enough that the force of the impact just on the corner of it, uh, sm- it's cracked the screen, the LCD screen on the back of the light. Wow. The flash still works, but the um, to use it with the trigger doesn't work. I can't see the screen. So I'm not sure if it's a write off, if anyone has had the same experience, I found actually found a company in Melbourne that does repairs to Godox, which is fantastic. So I'll see if I can get it repaired and it might be, it'll become a B light. I don't know if that I can trust that it'll be repaired and good enough to use, but I'm going to, um, yeah, invest in the AD600 because I thought, well, that'll be some grunt. And now I'm also looking at, instead of if the ad 200s a write-off, I'm looking at the AD300, which is basically the same size, but it gives you another, I think, half a half or one stop of light, which will come in handy. So, mm. but same size, it's like the AD300 is like a small lens. Like, you know, it's the same size as a, it's like, a, they're called pocket flashes which is really Mm. handy because, you know, it's nice that you can rock up to a shoot with just a couple of bags instead of, you know, all the gear and, you know, single portraits and headshots like that. I've been just using the AD200. So the AD300 will be a good investment, but I'll start with the 600 because that's going to give me uh, plenty of grunt for all my shoots. So the reason going back, long, long answer, Val, and I still haven't answered the question. What were you doing? In the Amazon. (laughs) So uh, I went to the Amazon to, uh, it's like the Facebook, isn't it? The Amazon, (laughs) went to Amazon to look for bumpers for the AD200 and they exist. So what there is a company and I'll dig out the link and put it in the show notes, but there Mm -hmm. is a company that actually make these uh, sleeves that go over the back of the light and over the LCD, so I guess it's very similar to when you. Um, how many phone screens have you smashed in your life, Val? Mm, none. None, because you always go and get a screen <laughs> and a cover, don't you? Yes. Yeah, because I used to like how sexy the phone looked without any covers and screens on it. Until you smash a couple, <laughs> and it gets expensive yeah. and frustrating. So now I yeah. do the same. As soon as I buy the screen, I buy the I buy the toughened glass. For the phone that goes over mm. the top and I also mm. buy a cover that goes around the edges and so I drop my phone all the time but at, like mm. touch wood it's not cracked so this is sort of the same uh, principle for the AD200 so it's like a, a shockproof case that goes around the back and so and then uh, an, another protection over that that LCD screen uh, and so I guess you've got to, it's there I think they're about 50 bucks but when you think about if it does bite the dust, the, the light, as in falls and cracks, you lose your five or $600, which is what they cost. So silly me. Silly uh, you. Silly me, lesson learned. And, and it did have, like, I think I had about um, four kilos, five kilos of weight around the bottom of this light, and it still must have been, it was a pretty uh, big gust of wind. Um, wow. That knocked it over. Yeah. Shame. Okay. Bummer. Yeah. But, but so the, the moral of the story is yeah, don't let that happen to you guys. And okay, so yeah. you know, um use the weights on the lights and also mm. you know, if you can get that bumper or even if you uh have you know beer beer, um what are they called? The the things that you put your beer cans in, what are they called? Stubbies. Stubby holders. We mm-hmm. call them stubby holders. So stubby it's like holders, wetsuit. Yeah. It's pretty much like wetsuit material. Yeah. Um, so I've seen people make sleeves for their uh, speed lights and, and Godox and things like that out of a wetsuit material. So there's oh. like, you know, a couple of layers of that around the back and where all the important bits are. And you mm. want to make sure you can still see through. But anything that you can do to, you know, maybe MacGyver something just to mm. protect that back part of the light in case it, it goes over. Save yourself. yeah I so you know.
1: bought yourself an early Christmas present
2: uh yeah I've been planning to bought get the AD 600 for a while now and I'll see how crazy I go but yeah no so I didn't get that on uh, on the Amazon because it won't come in time but I'll, I'll go out and buy that um uh, from KL so um but the the bumper I'll get one of those uh yes. so that I'm not you know caught out again because it's cool yeah, it's really sad
1: now this episode is editing tips for beginners, enthusiasts, and pros. Now um, this is I'm really looking forward to this because Gina is going to be covering some editing tips in Lightroom. And I must admit that even though I have some fairly basic knowledge of Photoshop and um, and can manipulate things in Photoshop, I'm I've yet to become really into Lightroom in fact I'm not good at it at all (laughs) so if you're a complete beginner in Lightroom this is ideal for you as well and I would encourage you if you are, are a complete beginner to um to to look at the video that's on on Gina's site but in the meantime Gina you have an interesting link you wanted to share with us
2: yeah, so um, I saw this link and I thought actually thought of you, Val, and the listeners. Right. Did you know the Louvre uh, are going to auction off a spot to see uh, the Mona Lisa up close? So you like you'll be in the room alone with the Mona Lisa. They'll take away the glass. Right. It's like they I wow. think they inspect it every year. So what they thought is like okay, we can we basically lost our income for the year because I think the gallery's been closed. Yeah, it might, might be open again now. I'm not sure. And, uh, you know, sending big hugs and love to anyone who's in lockdown at the moment. I know how you guys feel, and I hope it doesn't go for too long. But mm. so, the, the Louvre have got this experience that they're auctioning off. And so, I thought, wow, that would be a great Christmas present for the person who has everything. But I thought, Val, I'd ask you the question if you, yeah, um, there was an art experience that was being auctioned like a dream experience what would that be for you oh in the arts um. let me say because i could probably lead you into <laughs> like you know if i was to say it's the arts not just art then obviously I don't oh, know oh it would be in hamilton or hang, yeah <laughs> or hanging out with john bon Jovi right so which one hamilton or john bon Jovi John Bon Jovi. So spend a day with John Bon Jovi. That would be oh, your... Yeah. Oh, what about God. in the art world? Oh, the
1: art world. Um, that's a really good question. I would love to spend a day with... I don't know who the person is yet, but I would love to spend the day with somebody who's been really um, successful in the world of licensing their art. And I right. would love to pick their brain yep. um, about how they license
2: their art. Hmm. Yep right Mm -hmm. no no artists you'd like to see from or artwork that you'd love to get up a close and personal with uh well well of course yes but you only gave me one choice okay so that that's that 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 one yep fair enough spending time in in with with someone who's very successful i've got a heap of them in the licensing world yeah I would love to get my hands on uh, Da Vinci's diaries and notebooks, like actually touch and look at them, right? And uh, I also uh, heard about an experience like if you – there are uh, people who have had dinner around – dinner you know a fine um dinner party around uh mm. michelangelo's david like in that uh, museum i think it's the uffizi gallery oh. in the gallery okay like they close it oh, and yes. then they have a like a big dinner party and that's the centerpiece like the tables are all around that cool. that would be amazing and so and also like you know get to spend the night in um uh, any of the major museums in the world and just be able to wander around and see that stuff. But I also want to get into the back room as well and see like mm. artist diaries, uh, you know, the work up close. It'd be mm. amazing because you see them on the screen, you see them in the art, in art books. And uh, I don't know what you're like when you go to a gallery, but I, re- I remember the first time I saw a Monet or a Van Gogh at uh the Musee, let me butcher this with my Australian <laughs> accent, the Musee, de. Or C, Dorsey Museum. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> it's so bad. The, the French, when I, I would attempt, like from my year eight, year nine French, set style, le garçon, and they'd go, just speak English, don't bother, please. It's embarrassing. <laughs> but I would, like I remember when I first saw those paintings, I just sat in front and I cried because it was so overwhelming. Yeah. I think you'd react the same if you were in front of, Bon- did you cry in front of bon jovi or did you all keep keep it together <laughs> <laughs> i can't remember i've dreamt about this meeting for so long i remember i was with you on one of those oh, occasions no, where i busted us into a press conference and yes. um and i could just see you and it was like hello john hello tito hello <laughs> so was just like, i mean i only knew i only knew Hi, dave john, hello and you knew all their names and then the <laughs> guard said hey actually you're not supposed to be here i'm like you're, you're blocking my camera Excuse me, I'm <gasps> <in photos here>. And John said to me, "Hello, sweetie." <laughs> so, listeners, what would be your ideal art experience if you could just dream big and have anything that you could do in the world go to any place? Let's just dream a little. Uh, what would you like mm. to do? What artists would you like to spend the day with, even alive or or uh, not alive? And uh, or yes, you know, what tell brand us brand you want to get into and uh, what would you love to see? Or you know eat your dinner around
1: tell us especially in the facebook group if you haven't already joined then just search for so you want to be a photographer um, podcast community on facebook and request to join it's free to join we'd love to have you in there some great conversations going on some fantastic um, emerging and established photographers from all over the world but everyone's welcome
2: All right, so let's get into this uh, this episode, Val, on editing tips for beginners, enthusiasts, and pros. So mm-hmm. this, uh, I will be using Lightroom as an example because I can only show you one software at a time. But in saying that, the what I'm going to show you and talk about today can be applied to uh, Photoshop, Capture One, there's another one called GIMP. My inner 15-year-old is just refraining from saying anything at this time. Um, And there are a lot of other open source uh, um, uh, editing software, like, uh, you know, even... apps on your phone that edit the principles are all the same and so so it's like when i talk about photography and exposing images and opening up a stop or shutter speed it doesn't i'm not necessarily saying you have to have a canon or a fuji or a nikon to do this the principles apply to any camera the principles of editing apply to any format that you might be using. So don't be put off by the fact that I'm just going to be using Lightroom. You can take what you learned today and apply it to whatever editing software you are using. And, you know, for the absolute beginners, just know that it's okay to feel a bit overwhelmed at first. And there is stuff uh, with the editing cuz i can remember when i was first looking at lightroom when i was first opening photoshop and looking at it it was super overwhelming and super confusing because again remember when you learned how to shoot for photos and we were talking mm. about shutter speed and aperture and you know mm. iso all of these phrases become really confusing until they don't. And it's just a matter Mm -hmm. of like, there'll be some stuff that people will nod and go, you you know, the fast learners in every class is always like when, whenever I was learning anything in school, there'd be like, there would always be three or four kids that just like got it. As soon as the teacher explained it, they're like, I get it. I'm the one at the back of the class going, (laughs) I don't understand what, what, what does this mean? And so for me, I hear it, but I need to then go and do it as well. So I yeah. see the examples, it ha- I have to be shown, but the learning is in the doing. And I think Val, you've been experiencing that with your own editing journey this year. And you, you know, yeah. you've know you learned a lot of stuff uh, with yeah. Photoshop and skills and that. But at first, you know, when people are saying curves, adjustment layers and layer masks and all of that, mm. you're going, huh, it might be another language. So stick with it. Get, go and open whatever software, editing software you have and just move sliders around and go, what does yeah. this button do? And just don't be afraid because if you've got a raw file, you can't break it. You can do whatever you like to it, mm. and then just uh, start again. You know, like the etch 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 sketch. So you know those old, <laughs> you, you scribble all over the page, and then you shake it, and it goes mm. back to a clean plate. So it's the same with editing. So, what providing are- you shoot in raw. And it's really important to shoot in RAW. And Mm -hmm. I I will again say, if you are a new photographer, you've just got your camera, you're really just starting and you don't understand what is going on with the RAW file, I would say to you to go into your camera setting and you've got the option to shoot full-size RAW and full-size JPEG. Tick that. And then when you download the card, take those raw files, label them as like, you know, shoot in the mountains or whatever you want to call it, you know, Smith family shoot and just Mm -hmm. store them on a hard drive somewhere and save them. And I promise you that in a couple of months or a few months time or a year's time, when you understand editing, you're going to be so happy that you've got those raw files to work with. And so, you know, if it's a lot to deal with the raw files for now, have them store them, and you can mm-hmm. still edit the JPEGs, which are much easier to handle. A lot more software opens them, and, and not not as confusing. So that's that's what I recommend. And the- but
1: but if you do have the raw file, you have far greater flexibility in what you can do with it as well.
2: There is so much more you can do. And uh, the analogy that I like to use is: mm-hmm. imagine that a raw file is mm-hmm. like a raw egg. Okay, I love eggs. I really you do. T- <laughs> you take that raw egg now from that raw egg, and um because you're such a passionate cook, Val, um, <laughs> what could you make with that raw egg? Let name some of your favourite egg recipes. You could
1: just drink it like Rocky. Raw. Oh,
2: yeah, not ever going to happen. Cannot do that. <laughs> or you can take you can. the egg and you can whisk it and add a little bit of uh, milk and throw that into a pan. And you've got like an omelet, you could throw some cheese in there. You could take that egg, whisk it up, add some flour and uh, cocoa and other stuff and make a cake. You could make frittata. Oh. You could make. Uh, you could make. I love soft boiled eggs. Soft boiled googie eggs, like you cut off the top, and you dip the little toast soldiers in there that are buttered, right? I do. Is I it, don't do it like that. But that's anyway, yes, you're me. That's that <laughs> reminds me of being like four years old. So there, and and that egg, like there are so many different souffles, and you know you can use it to crumb cutlets. Like it's part of the batter. You can make. Okay, we get all the point. (laughs) the jpeg what Mm -hmm. the jpeg does is the camera will expose the photo and then it takes the raw file and it processes it for you so it adjusts the contrast it'll give that the the image a color profile it'll uh change the levels change the color and it basically bakes that all into the jpeg and then it hands you over the JPEG. So with a raw file, it might be, uh, it's quite large and you've got a huge tonal range. So there's tons and tons of colors in there and all the detail is in there. The JPEG file is the camera, basically it passes through the camera and the camera cooks in its own recipe. And from that JPEG file, when you've got an egg that's boiled, which is basically what a JPEG file is, What Mm. can you do with that boiled egg? You can cut it up, throw it in your salad, put it in Mm. a sandwich. Suddenly it's very limited. There's only so much you can do with a boiled egg. Or if your JPEG is a cake, your cake can't suddenly become an omelette. No, it can't go back to being an omelette. So you yeah. can't rescue it and you can't make all these things. So you're very limited and everything is baked into that file. And that's yeah. why when you put a JPEG next to a raw file, the JPEG always looks so much better because it's it's been processed basically by the camera whereas people mm. look at raw files and they go ew and it's like a raw egg in a, in a glass ew it's not very appealing because mm. it needs a recipe to be applied to it so that's what yes. we're going to be talking about now we're going to be doing the recipes we're going to be doing the recipe and we'll share my favorite recipe cool. for cooking and and you can make files. your own you can make your own recipes when you're do, playing with your raw files exactly That's it. So, and and the sky's the limit pretty much. So uh, basically uh, I've got, so what I want to show you is, so uh, if anyone is watching this uh, and of course, this is an an experiment. And if we get good feedback, we might continue to do uh, a few more of these video shows, but basically uh, you've got your raw file opened in the uh, processing software that you want. When it's a raw file, there, it looks uh, pretty poopy. So I'm going to uh, just <laughs> So open, Gina um, is
1: opening is, and the, the software that Gina is um, demonstrating on is Lightroom.
2: Yeah. So mm-hmm. let's uh, just have a look at uh, a raw file here that I've got. Uh, and so this is straight out of camera. So it's a shot of uh, some waiters uh, at an event, uh, like a behind the scenes shot. And uh, basically what I've done is whenever I shoot anything, I set my white balance to custom white balance. I actually set it to daylight, which is approximately 5200 Kelvin. So you can go into your camera setting and you can set your white balance to a, a custom number. And that stays the same for the entire shoot. I never change the white balance. And the reason for this is I don't wanna be adjusting individual images. So particularly if I'm doing a shoot where one minute I'm shooting inside in uh, and there's warm lighting, and then the next minute I might be shooting outside where it's uh, like, you know, cooler lighting or I might be under fluoro light in some situations and the light changes all the time. If I've got auto white balance set to the camera, then every time I change lighting situations, the camera is going to change the color temperature of my image. And so I'm going to come out with what I think it looks like is when I download my images from the day, a red hot mess. Everything's (laughs) different. It's all different colors. So I would rather have it know that I'm shooting in raw and know that, you know, even anyone that looks at this image, like you can see that the colors are wrong in this, right, Val? It's wrong okay it's very very warm and the reason for this is because the lights um in here this is tungsten lighting so that's old school warm lighting very beautiful for events hotels you know high end so this is the room. this is the ceiling lighting that yeah, the happens ceiling to lighting. Be in the ceiling lighting so so what happens hotel. is the camera um, picks up on that and i've told my camera that we we're, we're shooting in a daylight condition and it's not actually daylight it's uh, a lot warmer than that so my camera now has recorded the overall warm glow of that, that room and it's wrong. Now, I've got like in the first few years of shooting digital, it was like white balance. What's that? <laughs> just like, don't bother. I was just like sending files and I think I was adjusting blacks and I see images that are always, uh, you know out of whack with white balance. So before everyone gets their knickers in a knot about what they need to do with white balance because people get quite frustrated and they're not sure what to do. If you are shooting a campaign where you've got, uh, say, clothing veil or artwork Mm -hmm. that you're photographing Mm -hmm. and like your artwork, say, and you're photographing your artwork for a catalogue that yeah or for your even for your online shop any of your bags any of your products right so let's just say you send it to me to photograph and I just mm-hmm. photograph them under this uh whatever lighting I've got I'm not like I can't be bothered lighting valve stuff I'm just going to do it with daylight and there happens yeah. to be a tungsten light on your um blue bag like mm-hmm. that you've busted a gut over to make that specific blue because I know how anal you are (laughs) and I know that you'll go this is the blue that I want and this is the particular (laughs) tone of gold that I want in the image and then I go and shoot it willy-nilly and process it I could Mm. send you back files that suddenly that blue is purple yes and the gold is yellow right and I'm sure you've had that experience you've had that happen to you because it's important that the color is precise that's yes. where if you are at that level of your photography where you have a client that is hiring you to photograph products that you want to photograph so that the, the end use when they're shared online or in catalogs, the colors need to match so that the, the, whoever's buying the product knows that when I buy that handbag from you, Val, because mm. I happen to like the particular blue that I see, I know that when I get the physical product, it's going to look the same as the photo right yeah. so yeah. that's where in those instances and you know particularly when you're shooting skin tones and portraits and things like that and you want consistency day in day out then it's really important that you get your white balance correct and if mm. that's what you're doing, then I recommend you get something uh, like a grey card, which is basically a sheet of grey card mm. and um, it is a specific tone of grey. And you, the first shot that you do in any photo shoot, you hold that up in the exact lighting condition that you're going to shoot in. And then mm. basically what you can do is uh, let's just make sure that that's reset. So you make sure that when you load that file in, you can come in and uh, you can just uh, use your color picker, and you know you can take a uh, white balance reading off all the one of the gray squares. And so basically, yeah. what you're saying to your editing software is. This is a neutral point in my image. So I want you to reset the white balance based on that. And when you do that, suddenly all the colours in the image get adjusted to look more true to life. But hang
1: on, Gina, because in the photo that Gina has on the screen, a woman is holding up the grey card and that grey card actually has one, two, three, four, five, six, seven greys on it. So which
2: grey do you pick? You choose, so what you do basically is uh, I go with, I usually go with uh, the mid gray. So it's this one here that I've picked. And depending on which one you do, it's going to give you a slightly uh, different appearance all right, and I'm going to talk about the, what happens if you choose the wrong area in a sec, mm-hmm. Val. So basically, you go with the mid grey, and basically, what you so need. So what Gina the, means by that is that there are greys on the um,
1: on the card that are dark greys, there are greys, there are light greys, and there's there is a very clear mid
2: one that looks like is somewhere in the middle. Mid grey. So yeah. So. Pick that one. Yeah, pick that one, and you're going to get like a true to life skin tone and true to life colors. So you can apply that to the. So that's if you're doing that kind of shot. Now, if you're doing art photography, you can manipulate the shot any way you like. It's up to you how how you want it to look. You can make it look super warm or super cool. That's uh, up to your, you know, sort of artistic eye. But but back to this. image here of we've got the, so when I've got a shot, if I'm shooting an event or portraits or anything, when I bring my raw file into my editing software, the first thing I do is white balance. And that's before I do anything to the image. And I want to show you that, like, what I do is, is if I haven't, because you can't always be running around with a grey card and go, hold this, right? It's not appropriate. Like, you know, yep. you've got the prime minister on stage and it's like, wait, 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 Dave, <laughs> hold this. Sorry, carry on, your majesty, <laughs> your majesty. And I do the curtsy and then walk off stage. You don't yeah. have to curtsy, prime ministers. No, no, I was talking about your Majesty because oh, she was okay. a speech, and I just like interrupted, like she's sitting on the throne. Right, hold this great person. card. Okay, can you hold this, Betty, Lizzie, Betty, Liz, Liz, <laughs> Liz? <laughs> so uh. don't do that. So what I do? There's a couple of tricks that I like to do. So mm-hmm. if I've got an image like this, where, where on the screen where I've got the waiters are all wearing white uh, uh, coats and white coats, white shirts. Now, sometimes if you look in the image, you can see that um, there are going to be areas of white that are going to be brighter than other areas. So what I do is if I choose a very, very bright area of white to do my white balance from, um, Mm -hmm. it'll give you a very neutral shot. But if you choose an area where there is, and I'll just zoom in. Choose with, choose with what tool, Gina? So what I've got is in. Um, I'm using the Develop module in Lightroom Classic, and there is a little color picker. So it looks like an eyedropper mm-hmm. tool, and that is going to let you select a neutral point in your image. So what I prefer to use is to find an area of white that's not being um, blasted with light that is actually in a little bit of shadow. And so basically when when white is underexposed, what color is it, Val? Gray. Yeah. So it becomes a neutral point. So that's where I prefer to do my white balance. So if I go um, into the, I uh, find an area of the, uh, just under the person's jacket. So it's it's mm-hmm. a white surface, but it's kind of not overly lit and I mm-hmm. do a white balance there, I get a much more neutral. Do you see the difference? Yes. It's a much more neutral looking tone. It's a little bit warmer, but mm. it's not as uh, super cold as when I go to like a right. white area, right? Mm. So that's, that's mm. what I do. Now, the same applies for when I'm doing a white balance on a face. So sometimes mm-hmm. you've done like a shot where it's a, a, a face and this is lit Uh, in with uh, flash lighting a tight very tight portrait of someone and you haven't had time to do a white balance and there isn't they're not wearing white clothes there isn't Mm. any gray in the background now if I've got a white background that I've, I've lit if I was to try and do my white balance off the background Mm. Uh, it'll say it won't let me do it because it's not a true white it's so blown out that there is an actual a tone there okay so what i do in that instance my little sneaky workaround is i like to do a white balance off the whites of people's eyes okay okay? now there is also a trick to this Because if you've got light on the person's face, there'll be areas of the whites of their eyes that have got a a receiving more light than other areas. And then sometimes, and this happened, uh, this came up in the gold community uh, a a, a little while back where uh, someone was using that technique of balancing off the whites of the eyes. But guess what? The whites of the eyes were bloodshot. Mm. And so when the person clicked on the whites of the eyes, they actually hit a vein and- It, so what happens is Lightroom goes, all right, so you've told me that the neutral point is this red vein here, mm-hmm. right? I'm going to compensate by adding more green to counter the red. And mm-hmm. what happens? Can you see how green the overall image is? Yeah. Because yeah. I hit that re- red vein. So you want to um, avoid veins in the eyes. And what I like mm-hmm. to do is go up into the top of the whites of the eyes into an area that's a little bit darker. And again, I'm just going by what my color picker looks like. So when I hover my color picker over a darker area, I'm going to get that mid-gray tone. And then if I click on that, I get something that looks a lot more natural. You see how I've got that warmth and everything back into the mm-hmm. image? Whereas the when I hit the vein, I got um, a very green looking image. All right, mm-hmm. so there's the original. So the original is very, you could suddenly you see the difference. So at first, when you're first shooting these images in raw, you're not gonna actually see the color cast. It's like seeing the difference between hard and soft light. You don't see it, but after a while, you start to notice the subtle differences um, of how uh, doing these things will help with your Mm -hmm. images. So like, you know, um, now here's a a classic one. This is uh, in a, a night shot that's lit with old school fluoro. Now, fluoro yeah. lighting has come a long way, but in the like in a lot of um, emerging uh, countries uh, and older factories and things like that, the fluoro bulbs actually put out a green tint. So, can yeah. you see the overall green tint there? Yeah.
1: The- so, Gina's got a shot of uh, a tire shop, as in the tires like that go on the wheels of your. Uh, in what looks like a developing country and so um yeah and there's it looks like a single light at the top and it does definitely have a green tinge
2: yeah there you go so I can take this now and I can take Mm. my color picker and I'm going Mm. to look for an area that is a mid-gray and if I click on that right I can do Mm. that and I can get rid of the color tinge that way, if that doesn't work, what you'll have in your white balance setting of whatever software you're using, so Lightroom, Photoshop. Uh, so Gimp is basically an open source kind of uh, free Uh, it it just looks like photoshop it's very similar so like these Mm -hmm. principles apply to everything but you can actually um change the white balance so what you can do is if you're really stuck and you can't find a neutral area anywhere in the photo you can try auto and auto's not bad or you can take Mm -hmm. a guess at what kind of light you've got in there so if i hit fluorescent light if i can tell Lightroom in this instance, I'm using fluorescent light and I change the white balance to fluorescent, you get a, like a, a much bluer, colder. So you can try those uh, mm. settings. Um, and in this instance, I reckon auto works pretty well. So if you've got really poopy mm. and mixed lighting, then that's the option that you've got. So white balance. I use auto a lot. You do. Yeah. It's a good way. Like when, when you're starting. So when you're starting Mm. shooting with a camera and it's all overwhelming um, start when you learn to drive, uh, it's easier to start learning how to get your confidence on the road, just using your indicators and turning and parking and all of that. If you learn to drive auto rather than stick shift. (laughs) And then as you get more confident, Uh, you then drive stick shift, don't you, Val? You drive auto, I bet. So I do. Yeah.
1: Stop, go. I mean, why bother, right? So um, just a question in case there are some Lightroom newbies. You've obviously prepared these earlier, like, you know, when you bake a cake and stuff (laughs) on those cooking shows. Um, But if somebody was a completely, like, never used Lightroom before but really keen to get into it, Just in terms of opening the file, do you simply use file open? Do you drag it into Lightroom? You know, is this the view that one sees when someone first opens it into Lightroom?
2: It's a whole other show, Val, and it's like an hour conversation. But basically, you've got to set up a catalogue. So very quickly, my thoughts on this. Mm -hmm. If you are the kind of photographer that just takes photos uh, at book club once a month so you're not taking photos very often, then what I recommend is that when you set up Photo Lightroom, you create one catalogue for all your images and you store them all uh, in one catalogue. And and what are you
1: referring to about a
2: catalogue? So let me just see if I can find a Lightroom folder here. Let me just bring up something... um,
1: Because I know that there are, while you're doing that, I know that there are a lot of people who are, you know, they understand the power of Lightroom. They've seen, um, they've gone to talks and um, demonstrations and that sort of thing, but they're just not sure where to start. And I think that once they start, they will really be able to take the ball and run with it. But um Uh, they just need a couple of tips on really how to get started.
2: Yeah. So basically, and I think we can easily do a whole show on importing and organizing files if I get enough people that are interested, because that's probably the most confusing, but basically the catalog, that's it. It's a file and it, all it does, all Lightroom do when, when you're creating a catalogue is you're saying that this little little tiny little document, and it's tiny, it's like kilobytes, it's not megabytes. What it does is all the information that every adjustment that I make to my image is going to be recorded in this little catalogue here. It doesn't actually process the files. It just uh, does it virtually. It shows you a virtual version of what you're doing. So you're not actually doing anything to the files until you say file export image. So I think, because otherwise I'm going to spend an hour just talking about how to import files into Lightroom and it's a specialised uh, show okay. that we keep going. So basically you set up- So we'll, maybe we do I one- we, I Definitely, because it's it is, it's not as, it's a how long is a piece of string kind of sure. answer. Because it's, very, it's okay. like, I've recorded, I think- um, a two-hour video on that for the Goldies just on yeah. getting started and file yeah. organising in Lightroom. Okay. And if you get it right the first time, yeah. it means that you're never going to lose a file and uh, you'll always know what you're doing. So I'm happy to do that for for an episode if we've got okay. enough interest in sure. that. All right. Okay. So, yeah. um, so they're the basics. So just getting the right colour and everything looking right. And you've got a file that looks... Um, sort of half decent. And uh, and, and now I want to show you what I do um, to a basic uh, image that I'm going to edit and what are the steps that I take. So mm-hmm. I've got a good image that I want to show, which is this one here. And... Going to the develop module, I'll just reset it. Yep, make sure. So this is straight out of Cameraview, and I'll get you to maybe describe the image and sort of what the lighting sure. is like in the image.
1: So Gina's got this great shot. Where is it, Gina? This is in uh, India, Kochi, in, India. Yeah, in, in in India, and it seems to be a really old school laundromat yep. of some nature. And she's taken the shot from the street, and it really is just a shop with concrete walls and wet stuff you know sink and um she she's shooting from the street so there's daylight um but it's actually shooting into the shot where it's actually quite dark because there's no windows um and there's some laundry tubs um on the footpath that uh you're in the foreground but when you get into the shot there is a guy i guess the laundromat Fellow, <laughs> yep. who is um, moving some sheets around with quite some momentum and force, so you can see little droplets coming off the sheets. But the main point being, it's quite bright on the outside, but it's quite dark on the inside of the shop.
2: Yep. So this this image was shot in bright full sun, so it was a hot, sunny, hard light day, and so. Basically, the outside is lit by sunlight and then there's like sort of a bit of reflected light around. Now, if I wanted to, I've got to think about like when I'm exposing my images, I know that there is a lot of... Um, detail in my shadow tones when i shoot but it's a lot harder for my for me to rescue the highlights so what i could do if i wanted to because the key feature of this image is i wanted to capture the the guy that worked in this laundry um old school laundry where they hand beat the sheets by hand. So he's like beating them to clean them. Right. And so there's just like a stream of water, but he is actually, if you look at the image at my raw file, you go, I don't think he did a very good job exposing this, but Mm -hmm. what I'm thinking about is I know that if I exposed for my guy, right. Mm -hmm. So let me show you, I'll virtually show you, there's about the correct exposure for my guy. So if I expose my camera and like open up my, uh, aperture to get a brighter reading or i slow down my shutter speed i'm going to get a good skin tone on the guy unfortunately because he's in shade Mm. everything around him is blown out Yeah. okay but i know That what I need to preserve is my highlights, particularly with digital files. So if you overexpose your highlights, even in a raw file, there's only so much you're ever going to get back. And then you end up with a a grey hot mess in the sky. So that's why I like, you know, you should always underexpose your skies a little bit. If you've got clouds that you want to capture, underexpose and you can bring it back in mm. what, what when you're editing so and
1: that is one of the best best tips I've learned from Gina and I really want to echo that because my tendency was to overexpose on things because it hides a multitude of sins really yeah. Yeah. when you're looking at the camera and you just and you overexpose a little bit and it just seems to look great but there's so much less flexibility when you then bring it into, you know, whether it's Lightroom or Photoshop or whatever. So when Gina taught, told me, if you're going to go one way, go underexpose, yeah. I, I will even go under, under, underexposed yeah. because even if I go under, under, underexposed, I still have. So much more flexibility to to um, to manipulate it and brighten it, and the colours come out better
2: and stuff yep. like that. So that's a great tip from Gina. Yeah. So trust. So you expose for your highlights. You want to make sure you nailed them, and that's what I've done. Now I want to show you Val in the so in the develop module in Lightroom. And again, um, if you're working, if you don't like Lightroom and you have Photoshop, uh, Camera Raw is an exact replica of Lightroom Val. So if you don't want to work in Lightroom, just open Camera Raw and every it, the workspace looks exactly the same. So everything that I'm saying applies to the Camera Raw module as well. So that's, a, you know, and I guess then there will be like, uh, and guys, you can tell me the other versions of editing software will just be uh, a basic copy of that. Just like, you know, camera has aperture and shutter speed car has five speeds. It's like, there's no difference between the gear stick on a uh, Toyota Corolla as to, uh, you know, a, a, a Lamborghini. Uh, just no, maybe a Lamborghini me. is a different, I uh, probably that's like a completely different thing, but uh, like a high end car versus a low end car stick shift, first, second, third, fourth, fifth is the same. And six, but like okay. Six, so so close just to remember, reverse, it just me.
1: remember, everyone, that these what all the things that we and all of the um, tools that we're talking about here only work if you're opening a raw file. So if you're trying to open a JPEG, it doesn't really happen. No, no, for you, you can
2: still do it with a JPEG. You're just not can going you? to get the same results? Yeah, you okay. Can still edit a JPEG, but it's limited because we've cooked it already. So there is okay. only so much you can do. So it'll still work with a um, JPEG, but d- don't use JPEG. Just not, just not as much. Sure. Yeah. It's just better, you know? Um, so basically I expose for my highlights and I've got yeah. that detail there. And I've also got some detail of my figure in the shadows. Now, when I mm-hmm. open up my workspace again, we're gonna say that the first thing I'm going to do is do my white balance. So I'm going to look for uh, an area of white that is also in shade,
1: Mm. all right?
2: So, and sometimes it's just a matter of uh, looking around or sometimes I just try and like find a gray area. So I've actually found a mid gray. And Mm -hmm. if I click on that area, Now my image is nice and neutral. So see before there was a, like a warm cast to it. Yellow. Now it's neutral. Okay. Mm -hmm. So I start with a basic base and that's Mm -hmm. not to say like, I'm not selling this as a, like, this is a replica of what what a laundry should look like. So my (laughs) colors need to be exact. I can Mm -hmm. manipulate those colors to how I want the shot to feel. So I'm not Mm -hmm. stuck to that, but I'd like to start with a clean and neutral base to start with. All right. The next thing I like to do is I go into the uh, crop and straighten area. And what I like to do is just make sure that my image is nice and straight. So I use uh, a a straighten tool there. And so now my image is square and that makes my OCD. So that's helpful if you've got
1: a pillars or you got a sofa and the you want the horizontal aspect of the sofa to be right so you want your
2: verticals vertical and your horizontals vertical uh horizontal. horizontal and it's like you know i am not a fan of the dutch angle like which is to deliberately tilt your photos because it's like i know that um and the Sometimes you don't even notice that your uh, images are slightly out, but always check that and, uh, mm. you know, make sure that you straighten it up because, because if it's just slightly out, people are going to look at it and that's the first thing they're going to look at. And they're not yeah. looking at the image and they're going, "It's, it's on the, it's, it's, not, it's, it's not square. So I mm. like to square it all up. So that's the next stage that I do. Now, I've checked the white balance. I've straightened it up. Now I've got the opportunity to start manipulating my image and get it to how I want it to look with the way that I saw it in my mind's eye, because I knew that when I'm taking the shot, I I had the end result in mind, all right? Now, you've got a number of sliders in any software, any basic editing software you've got, usually in this order, you can adjust the exposure. You can adjust the contrast, you can adjust the shadows, you can adjust the whites, and you can adjust the black. And then you've got- And the highlights. Yeah, highlights. And then you can add texture, clarity, vibrance, and saturation. Okay, so I'm going to start with the basics first. Now, most software will give you the option, and uh, this is probably what Valerie does, is you (laughs) hit the auto button and see- like, and that is a really good way when you're starting mm-hmm. out and you have no experience and no idea what all the sliders do to mm. give you an idea of where you can start with. So I'm all mm. for that. It's like training mm. wheels for, for, for editing. So hit the auto button and go, oh, yeah, that's, um, that looks good. Job done. Thanks very much. Cool. <laughs> good night, right? Or mm-hmm. you can um, go back and do it your own way and and take control on how you want your image to look. Because again, um, Hans, who programs cameras, moonlights at the uh, photo editing software companies. So he programs the editing (laughs) software and he uses the same principle, which is to be uh, straight down the middle very centrist in the way that they want to look. So everything is the editing that they do. It's often very neutral and really conservative. And so, but it's a good way to start, right? Okay. Mm-hmm. So, and that's when you do auto anything, it's going to be like middle middle of the road kind of a look. But if you want to take control, here is what I do. So white balance first, straighten the image next. So I've got a choice The exposure slider and the contrast slider, I can tell you now that 90% of the editing that I do, I never touch these two Mm. because what happens with exposure is if I raise the exposure, it's basically just like um, changing the exposure on your camera. So if I want to raise the exposure because I want my skin tone to look better and mm. I raise the exposure. What it does is it raises the exposure of the shadows, midtones, mm. and highlights. Everything goes up by the same amount. So my guy looks good, but what happens to everything else? The, all my highlights blown are blown. alone, okay? And that's why I don't touch this because it's too heavy-handed. So as a general mm. rule, 90%, uh, unless I really botch the exposure of the shot, I will leave this alone. Okay. So I don't touch the exposure. The same goes with contrast. When you adjust the contrast, it'll adjust the contrast in the blacks, you know, in the shadows, in the mid, mid tones, and also in the highlights. So across the board. So the whole image increases Mm. in contrast and again, too heavy handed or you can decrease the contrast And uh, you can make the whole image flatter if you want, Mm. okay? But it's across the board. So generally, as a general rule, I leave exposure and I leave contrast. What I do love to work with are the next four sliders, highlights, shadows, whites, and blacks. And pretty much that does everything that I need. So the first thing I do, particularly because I know that where there was sunlight outside in my image... I wanna recover some of my um, highlights. So if I click on, you've got like in most software, you've got the ability to, to highlight um, clipping in the highlights, which is where, um, it'll put a red overlay over where your highlights are blown. So you can see that's not blood on the sheets there, Val. That's just, (laughs) what did you just
1: click to get the,
2: so in the histogram, there's a little, um, triangle there in the top right. So the histogram, everyone is the graphic thing, the thing that looks like a graph. Click on that and that shows you that my highlights of here, these sheets in the sunlight, I didn't quite uh, underexpose enough. And then on the other side, it'll show you where my blacks are crunched. So i yeah. underexpose my blacks and that'll show you with little blue highlights. These are really good to turn on because they're a great guide to show you um, when you're in the right ballpark. So then with those two guides on, like my mm-hmm. um, highlights and shadows showing if I've crunched my blacks or blown my highlights, I can then take my highlight slider and drop it around to the left, and you see how I've retrieved the highlights in this image. I'm right. rescuing my highlights, so that's so I do that by eye, and also sometimes I use the um, that highlight so it's
1: specifically doing the bits that were
2: in red So i'm just all i'm doing with the highlight slider is i'm just bringing back or rescuing any of the blown highlights so that's the i've brought back some texture into the wall i've definitely brought back detail into the sheets and that's what i want so you want when you want a good looking image you want to have detail in your highlights detail in your mid-tones and detail in your shadows Okay, so that's what I'm looking for. So the first thing I do, uh, as a general rule, is I adjust my highlights. I do the same with the shadows, and I think this is probably the most underutilized slider, but I think it's absolutely magic. So mm-hmm. I increase the shadows, and what this does is it's like it brings up the guys. It's magic. It's like you turn a light on inside. Yeah. How good is that? fantastic all right so i love the shadow slider so that opens so up So Gina's basically really...
1: moved the shadow slider so that they um uh, the guy who was almost in darkness because it was he's inside the shop can now be seen very clearly
2: so now i've uh you know i've captured his uh his uh skin tone detail his face i've got the color back in the sheets i've got the water and i can see everything just by lifting the shadows and it didn't affect the highlights or the midtones yeah. in the image. It just did the shadows, okay? Mm-hmm. Same for the whites. Now you Great. wanna make sure that for an image to have good contrast, you wanna have a good white point and a good black point. So what I like to do is with my white slider uh, selected, and this works in Photoshop and Lightroom, is I hold down the option key on a Mac, Alt on a Windows, and just click on the slider, the whole screen Mm -hmm. goes black. And what Mm -hmm. I'm gonna do is just scooch across to the right until I see a grain of white. And if I go Mm -hmm. like all the way, you'll see that that there is my widest, widest point. I just want like a little grain. So I'm just going to about there. You can see it just in the corner, right? It was just about there. And so if I go before and after, that it's just brightened up my whites a little bit. It just takes that, Mm -hmm. it just increases the contrast, but it's a lot more subtle than doing it with the contrast slider, okay? Mm -hmm. And then the next one is again, bringing in a good black point. So it's the same system. I'm holding onto the slider and I hold the option key on a Mac, Alt on a Windows, click, the image goes white now. It's the opposite Mm -hmm. and I slide across to the left until I get a decent amount of black grain showing. So these are my blackest points in the image. Now this is a matter of trial and error, how much you wanna do. And I kind of like around there is what I'm happy with. And you look at the image, I'm just gonna turn off my um, sliders here and I'll show you before and after. So I've increased the contrast in the image without increasing the contrast too much. And if Mm. I want to, I can just scooch that back. So there's nothing wrong with going all the way to the left and seeing how, you know, go as far as you can and go, well, that doesn't look, that looks awful and then scooch it Mm. back until it starts to look good. Okay. So then we've got, now we've got some contrast. Okay. And so, If this was uh, something that was uh, going out to a client or, you know, fairly conservative, this is what I'd call a basic middle-of-the-line conservative edit. That's pretty much all I would do. But if it was for me... I go a bit further so what I love to do is I love because this is such a grungy looking atmosphere I want to add texture and grunge so another slider that I like to use is the texture slider and I want to show you have a look at the water when I push this slider across little droplets okay so Mm -hmm. have a look see before after see how they just light. so it just increases the texture but the texture slider and this is a new slider that's been brought into lightroom and and um photoshop in um in um camera raw is Mm -hmm. uh it just does the edges of the texture so fine detail it's not crunching it up like the clarity slider does. So it just like add a bit of texture and I've got to like a bit more grunge going on in my walls and anywhere that there's texture. So you can see, I'll put the before and afters there. Have a look at the difference now so far. And that's just yes. the basic edit. And So then basically
1: what- the, the there's hundreds of water droplets, but when the texture slider is moved um, higher, um, the water droplets are become far more,
2: far clearer. Yep. And then... I might just add a little bit of clarity. Now, this clarity is like, you know, when you discover, when I discovered Nutella, Val, I loved it and I couldn't stop eating it and I had no self-control. And so what happens is that it's not good for you, all right? The same with the clarity slider, a little bit goes a long way. So you're going to, once you get addicted to this slider, you're going to want to go to 100. And Mm -hmm. and I certainly did this when I first discovered it because a little bit is good, then more must be better. No, not the case. Mm -hmm. So what the clarity slider does is it increases contrast in the midtones, okay, and it also uh, drops the uh, saturation and the vibrance of the shot. So see how when I increase the the um, the clarity, it loses a bit of the color. It goes yes. a bit dirty
1: looking. Yes, That's why yes. all my
2: images look so dirty? <laughs> <laughs>
1: um,
2: so maybe around you know ten to twenty is a good like. Just a little bit goes a long okay. way. All right, so I'll go there, and we can see before. And after yes, that is pretty much amazing what I would do. Now, some other things that you can do to this image, if you want to take it even further mm. is uh, all editing software has. The, so what we, what we've just done are global adjustments. So that is when we adjust the highlights or the shadows or the whites or the blacks or the exposure, if we were going to, it applies it to the entire image. Now, what, where you can get more specific and what, and where this is uh, suddenly now we're developing images like we did back in the stone age when I was working coming through uh, in the dark room, we would actually make local adjustments to our images. So we'd expose the entire image and then I might want to um, just tweak little areas. So what you can do is there is a selective adjustment brush And the shortcut for Lightroom is K. And what you can do is brush on little details of um, just adjustments on little images. So let's just say with this image that I like the texture, but I wanna add more just to the walls. So what I can do is I can select my adjustment brush, increase the texture and just brush it on to the wall. See that? Oh. Can you see how I've just increased the texture there? And it's just on that wall. And I can wow. do this pillar here and I can do my little pot. I can see this on your um, paintings, oh. Val, where you can just highlight little areas, okay? Yeah. And just yeah. bring out the grunge on any areas that you want. I might want to do the water as well. And once I've selected that, so I'm just going to turn on an overlay. That's where I brushed and yep. I've, uh, I've covered it with green. That's where I brushed the texture. And you mm. can see that it uh, it just adds... Uh, a little bit of, um, you know, something, something to the image. I can just yeah, increase yeah. texture. And if I wanted to in that area, I can also just increase the the um, clarity in clarity. that area as well and just grunge it up a little bit more. Okay. Wow. So that's selective yeah. adjustment and that's really handy. So that's the basic... Uh, adjustment. So I just want to show you a couple more images, Val. And you're going to be a timekeeper because I've got no this new system. I've got no clock that tells me mm-hmm. how long we've been going. So you just tell me when when we're done. But basically, I want to show you. So I've, I've got, got a, no idea. <laughs> oh right. What time We started. That's all right. Anyway, all right. Um,
1: it's all still interesting. So why so, don't you just? Why don't you just do? Um, uh one more you know uh,
2: technique that you'd yep. like to show or else we'll do it in another episode okay so i just want to show you so for a landscape image um yeah really again uh for, so for this image i exposed for the sky so i'm um, again if i yeah. exposed for so it's a barn this is a barn in iceland so just imagine yeah. if I expose for the barn, and this is what the yeah. people get into trouble like this all the time. The barn looks great, but your sky but the sky is blown out, and you lose all out. the beautiful clouds. So what I say is expose for for the sky. So you would put your yeah. um, exposure point into the sky, and you underexpose your image. And at first you go, "Oh, it looks terrible. I've botched it up." Mm. But just know mm. how much. Mm opening up the shadows just doing yeah. that like suddenly yeah. i've got all this detail and then have a look so the sun in this image was in the far left of the image now yeah. if i bring down the highlights look how much information i've managed to retrieve out mm. of that image and then i can add some texture and i can add a bit of clarity and you know desaturate it a little bit if i want so you know that's the sort of thing and the, the amount of latitude you've got so not only like because a lot of people just shoot and don't process their files. They just spit them out straight no. out. In, but but no. in doing that, you miss these great lessons of what Absolutely. your camera is capable of doing. And it's not until I started editing my images that I realized how much latitude I had in my uh, shadows and how little mm. I had in the highlights. And so, you know, that's where I've learned. To, that and and having that confidence to shoot like that and going, yeah, it's underexposed now, but I know what I can bring this to, makes mm. your life so much easier. So, um, you know, I just want to show you the shadow slider again. So um, a man that is lit by the day, uh, midday sun, He's he- his face is under a hat, completely underexposed. I've exposed for the brightest point in the image. So
1: Practically if, you can't see his eyes at all. Because, right, but yeah. lift
2: the shadows. Yeah, boom. amazing. You no, know, it's like it's magic. All right. So <laughs> uh what I want to show you it's is like it's magic. Uh now just quickly uh, another little slider. So again, guys, if this is just really annoying to listen to and you couldn't be bothered uh, watching the video, it's not your thing. You listen to podcasts, you don't want to watch videos, uh, you know, let us know as well. But if it's something that you want to do more of, then, you know, I really enjoy it. I think Val's digging it too. We're just trying an experiment. We're just This is an experiment, you know, for for the end of the year. So I've got an image again, I've underexposed it, Val. So it's a guy reading um a newspaper inside uh there's very bright light coming across from camera right and uh most of the image is underexposed so uh, what i can do it's practically black yeah but i lift my highlights lift my shadows drop my highlights and uh i've brought it back now Mm. the problem with when you underexpose an image like this so much is i'm going to zoom in um to quite, maybe not 1600, but 400%. Like, have a look at the background. Can you see noise? Like, and because he's underexposed noise. Now everybody Mm. hates noise. And Mm. what I'm gonna show you just quickly now is how I tackle noise. So if you scroll down, whatever software you're using to um, uh, remove noise in your images, you have got a a choice, you've got a noise reduction panel and you're going to have like a number of options. And in Lightroom and also in uh, Photoshop, in Camera Raw, you have the option to uh, increase the luminance. And what that does, so you can see what noise is, is just like the image looks grainy, you can see every little pixel, right? Yeah. And so what most people will do is they just up the luminance and what it does basically is it smooths out the noise. Can you see that? How it's like mm-hmm. um, we've put a soft filter over everything and now you can't see the pixels anymore. Okay. Right. Now I've got a better way and it's not, it's like don't touch the luminance slider at all because what it does is it just makes your image look really like it's wrapped in glad wrap or something. <laughs> it just looks poopy, right? Okay. So I mm-hmm. say, like the, um, you know, like to use the exposure or contrast slider, don't touch them most of the Mm. time. What I like to do instead is like, let me just get his face up. So you can see all the noise there. The one Mm. that you want to adjust because what we've got here, can you see that like, if you describe that image, what are you seeing? Because this was the... Like a one, a couple of coloured wall of a, a roller door, and then we've got the man's skin tone. He's got a darker skin tone, but when we zoom right in, how many colours are you seeing in that image, Val? Not many. Are you seeing that, like purple, green, I, yellow? In, you mean in the
1: background or in the All over his. Face?
2: Thing. If you look really closely, you can see that there's colour casts all over the place. So oh yeah, sure. The noise, purple, yes. yellow. Red, green, like that is noise, color noise. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. if I move the color slider all the way across, Mm -hmm. can you see what happened? We got rid of all those colors now. Mm -hmm. So we had like before, hang on, let me just do. So we've got, it's hard to show that step. Hang on, let me just do it this way. Um, Before. See all the color noise in there? Yes, I see. Right? There's red yeah. bits. and Red bits and yeah, red yeah, pixels yeah, yes. and everything. So just by adjusting the color noise, yes. you've cleaned that image up. And then you oh, yes. want to just do a duke of luminance just to clean it up. And suddenly mm-hmm. you've got a cleaner image. So that is uh, the noise slider. So I don't know. You're, you're the right. one calling the shots in terms of uh, time, uh, do you reckon we're good, or should we keep going? I think we can do um, another
1: episode.
2: All right, sure.
1: Yeah, if um, especially if people and find it useful. Plus, we don't know if
2: anyone's gonna like this or not, so <laughs> oh, it's up yeah. to you guys. So it's no point in us like doing a whole, you know. <gasps> yeah let us know like that we'd rather just hear you talk so um yeah i hope you guys enjoyed that but they're they're just the basics so you know we go back so you know um learn about the white balance learning how to do these and honestly when you see an image that's well edited Uh, it stands out like dog's cojones when you're (laughs) next to another image. Honestly, you can tell because once you get your eye in, it's like, you know, if you all remember the day that you first noticed the difference between hard and soft light, once you start to see the white balance is incorrect, you can't unsee it. So you'll start to see tints in images. And when you see images that are like just, shot and spat straight out of the camera and there's no love and care. um, They really do stand out. Well-edited images look great and that's the kind of thing. These are the little one percenters that take your image to the next level. It's confusing at the start. I promise the more you do it, um, you can't break your files. So just have a place. Even if you just start with auto-tone, hopefully it'll be... uh, you know, a good thing.
1: Yeah, I, and like I said, when I started using auto, I was like, oh, my God, this is just going to change my life. Yeah, it just makes <laughs> such a – because
2: you think <laughs> at first you don't notice the flaws in the raw no. file until you start editing. And then it's like, you mm. know, once you start lighting your images, you can't go back to just shooting in daylight. It's next-level mm. stuff. And honestly, th- th- this is my happy place. It, as you know, Valerie, editing mm. images, it's like my idea like because you can – you know binge watch stuff on Netflix while you edit images and just play around. Give it a go.
1: <laughs> yeah. Let us know what you think. And um that was great, Gina. Thanks, Thanks for sharing that. No I've worries, had Belle. stuff and oh. I want to learn
2: more actually. So okay. it's
1: great. Cool. <laughs> All right. So what are you doing until we chat again, Gina? Okay, so
2: this is the home stretch to Christmas for me. So I've got yeah. like one, a couple of massive shoots this week but then uh like oh. calm uh friday uh that's it i'm done um shooting for the year and then it's just all Mm. about like you know getting all that last minute stuff back to clients and um you know editing all the shots and then you know uh take a few days off i'm building a table at the moment so uh what for so um from mum's place uh she had her original um sewing machine uh-huh. That she had here from it's like from the 60s and it's a cast uh-huh. iron, so oh, yeah. machine tub. Do you know those ones? Yeah, yeah. So a pedal. Yeah, yeah. So, so, but mm. it's just the frame and yeah. they'd had it like my I think my dad had MacGyvered it sort of a table an old tabletop on it and it was just sitting out in the back garden. But it's like for me mm. that is such a good memory of her. So what mm. I did is I've taken that from the house and I had it. um, uh sandblasted because it was paint wow different colors how sandblasted so you take it to there's like companies that sandblast okay everything like they they, there was cars there there was people's gates there was all sorts of old antiquey stuff and Mm -hmm. this guy sandblasted the um all the paint off and then he powder coated it black (gasps) it looks beautiful and now i've got um recycled uh it's a like i think it's a it's a really dense timber it's like a rosewood or something and so i've got like i'm actually making on me making the timber bench top myself Amazing. placing that on and then that's just a, a nice little table little memory that's that I can have. yeah i'm really i'm really proud what are you of gonna use it for it's it's actually going to be like a hall stand so it'll be like okay. a, as you go in the front door it'll be like the first thing that you see i'll put a you know vase of flowers and it's a it's a good little memory i, I love doing stuff like that and just figuring out how to do it and now that i'm like i've had something sandblasted I'm obsessed. I'm like, what else, what else can I get blasted here? Cause it's, it looks so amazing. What about you, Val? Oh my goodness.
1: There's just so much to do before Christmas rolls mm. around in the lead up. Um, and, uh, i I can't think straight to be honest yeah
2: (laughs) just lots like you've so your brain's kind of not working got to do
1: christmas shopping i've got to do decluttering i started doing some decluttering today yeah i've got to yeah get a lot of um well actually illustrator files um off to a client and it's just going to be busy
2: Yeah, and then next time we get together, we're going to have our um, So You Want to Be a Photographer breakup party. And so there will be alcohol involved for the next next episode. But we do have Mm. um, some some, uh, great tips to share with you guys. Of course. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> all right thanks um where do we find you online gina so you can find me at gina militia.com that's g-i-n-a-m-i-l-i-c-i-a i'm at gina militia on all social media and if you want to take your photography to the next level you want to learn more about lighting posing directing and also you know the fine art of editing your images then do check out the Goal community just go to gina and click on join the community what about you val
1: You'll find me at Valerie Koo, that's K-H-O-O, on Twitter and Instagram and over at ValerieKoo.com. Thanks for listening, everyone, and we look forward to chatting to you again next time.
2: Thanks, guys.
0: Thanks for listening to So You Want to Be a Photographer. For more information, free resources, and Gina's regular newsletter on everything you need to know to become a successful photographer, visit GinaMalisha.com.